What's going on, guys? Welcome to a spooky edition of The Streaming Wars. My name is Mike. I'll be your host for this evening. Joining me, as always, is Jacob. Hey, everybody. What is up? And returning once again, Tyler. Uh, yo. Now, as we said, uh, tonight's edition of The Streaming Wars is more <clears throat> because, because we're you know, a week away from Halloween, we figured this is the perfect time to talk about the spookier side of film and television. Yeah, you you didn't think you didn't think I'd leave this off the list. Um, the very first thing we're starting with is uh, Netflix's The Haunting of Bly Manor, the second season in Mike Flanagan's um, haunting anthology. Tyler, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you. Um, first of all, uh, your thoughts on Haunting of Hill House and how does Bly Manor compare? Not oh, not that they're mm-hmm. comparable um, story wise, but just but just your own personal take. Oh yeah, I got a lot to say. Uh, Hill House. Uh, I'll be honest, I went in with the rock bottom expectations because I'm a big fan of the Shirley Jackson novel and of course the legendary 1963 movie based on the book the haunting so when i saw that netflix was doing an adaptation i was mm, pretty pessimistic I, I hadn't actually seen any of flanagan's work at the time so i went like okay how are you gonna screw this up and then i saw the first episode and went oh well this is interesting and then it kept my attention through all 10 episodes and i walked away quite impressed it it maybe had a little bit of a flat ending, but now whatever. It was a wonderful series that is both scary, but also quite emotionally satisfying, which is not really common for horror. Mike Flanagan knows how to make a character to like. This is a very important thing yeah, he to does. know. And in that series, uh, well, it, it ended off pretty well, and everyone liked it. And the studio uh, Netflix immediately went, "Hey, make more of that." And Mike Flanagan, who's actually a stand-up guy, said. No, I'm not going to do another series. This is, this is it. But then he went, well, wait a minute. Maybe I can adapt another horror book and make it in a vein of that. And that's what we got here. This is an adaptation of the Henry James novel, The Turning of the Screw. So he has a theme of adapting gothic horror novels now. I think what I like about Bly Manor um, is that it's not just an adaptation of The Turning of the Screw. He kind of peppers in um other henry james stories like he he somehow got in um somehow he got in the jolly corner um which is probably probably not my favorite episode of the series because it's it's one of those supernatural um like supernatural instances that doesn't quite line up with the story as a whole yeah i mean that's one of the weaker episodes but that's something else to do with hill house a little bit which was each episode's like a character story and also some of that was also taken from a couple of jackson novels like i think i noticed like uh we all live in the castle briefly a little bit in one of the episodes but this one it's like straight up uh ev- a lot of novels by henry james and each character more or less gets a backstory episode and they're pretty good for the most part i think episode what was it, episode three or four? Like I said, it was probably the weakest one, but it, uh, it hit its stride, just like Hill House in the center, where you got like episode five, which is a really solid one. Yeah, episode five of Blind Manor is like 
uh, it's it's up there with i think it was episode six of of hbo's watchmen that i think is like one of the greatest single episodes of television that i've seen in in recent memory yeah and, and it's it's centered on a conclusion that's not hard for the audience to figure out but it's not exactly that's not the point it's more about the character's experience to that conclusion which is everything about the series it's all about the character first like plotting yeah, yeah, sometimes matter. Scares, yeah, it's sometimes scary, but that's not the point. It's the characters. Literally every single motive was done with the characters in mind. There's, that's that's all the season is. It's all about the characters, which they're all great. Um, jump, jumping off what you said ab- about the scares, um, one, one thing that, that's been bugging me about people trying to compare Bly Manor to Hill House is their their biggest criticism is that it's not as scary. And while I've never been, I've never been one to criticize a horror film for not being scary. Um, what I like about Bly Manor is that it, se- it seems like that was never, that was never the intention. Other, like outside of a few like genuinely disturbing moments. Um, this, this is really at the end of the day, a love story. And a, and a yeah. really damn good one. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, the critics had thought it was just a horror story. I think you missed the last spoken line of dialogue, which is about as close you can get to a fourth wall break from the writer to the audience. Because exactly. it conveys exactly what it is. Spe- speaking of that, um, what, what did you think of um, Carla Gugino totally faking a British accent, um, but, oh. pl- but playing the na- like the narrator of the series? One, I, I love that they didn't actually reveal that she was in it up to like 10 minutes before the show premiered. That's awesome. Two, yes, I have some British friends. They were just basically laughing on the floor going, that's a British accent. I What are, what are you doing? And yeah, it's kind of awful, but it's a charming bad, kind of like, uh, well, Mary Poppins in that kind of respect. Which like, I yeah. wish I could hear that. It's like, I wish I could hear your British fan, 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 friends just... Um just ripping apart the accents uh y- yeah also there's some com- I, some complaints about like a scottish accent one character does which i didn't think was that bad but i'm not scottish so i can't judge but even i could tell that that british accent oh no 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 that's this is some nonsense but the character is really good and the performance is well done it's just simply the accent yeah if you're if you're british and you don't like that accent i, I can't really be mad at you yeah, that, that's that's the thing. A lot usually usually those who who speak the native tongue will be a lot more critical than, say, a dumb a dumb American who. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I am so in love with Carla Cugina as an actress that, I like she could read the phone book and I'd call it like the greatest performance. Oh yeah! At this point, she basically can play anything. She's your wife. She's your mom. She's your grandma. She can do whatever she wants, and you're gonna like her because she's just so effortlessly charming. My second favorite episode of the season is episode eight, um, mm. the romance of certain old clothes. Um, and it's a it's a flashback that that kind of that kind of tells like the origin story of of the you know, the main ghost that's, that's haunting, that's haunting everyone. And um, this is the one episode where, where Flanagan's wife, um, Kate Siegel, uh, makes an appearance. 
and she is she's so good she's so good um as that sort of like uh jealous and vengeful um character oh yeah like th- th- this also needs to be said just kind of like how american horror story work is a lot of reoccurring actors in between hill house and bly manor but you never kind of mix them up like uh what was the the it was the guy who played luke i think jackson cohen i think his name was um, his name was oh. his name. oliver I, jackson cohen that was it yep. that guy like oh he's like most down on his luck likable guy in that first season here oh no he kind of is the most loathsome person but he does it so effortlessly you never think oh it's just that guy playing that role again and the same here it's like uh the character that uh, kate seiko plays here not remotely similar to theo in that first season completely different and actually i'm pretty sure wasn't her sister also someone from hill house i think that was uh, Jessica yep, uh, Kennedy, Vic- who was, uh, uh victoria pedretti um she plays she plays um nell in hill house and now she's the main character um danny in bly manor yeah, I remember by the sister in the flashback episode. I think that's oh. the, I think that's the lady who played the ghost of the, like the uh, the, the nineteen twenties ghost in Hill House. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm I'm pretty sure that's yeah. the same, the same actress. In fact, we're not even sure. Says a lot. Like, oh, well, you play that role about as different as you could get. But that episode, that episode actually, I actually read some critics. They thought that episode was actually kind of a bit of a pace breaker. I can kind of see that, but I'm like, yeah, I didn't mind. I thought it was a great episode. I'm a, I'm also just a sucker for for flashbacks like that. It's, um, I I know I know the obvious comparison to episode six of Watchmen is that they're both they're both uh, told in black and white, but mm-hmm. um, but they're both but they're both really good flashback episodes. So I. It's a shallow comparison, but a comparison nonetheless. Yeah, uh, honestly, and, and and it's just amusing to me, but uh, episode eight features a plague doctor prominently, which is hysterical because I'm taking a historical medicine class right now, and the front cover of the book is a plague doctor. So I kind of just laughed when <laughs> <laughs> I know nice. what they're going to do for humans and, and bloodletting. Oh, look, they did. Now, Jacob, I know, I know you're not really a big TV guy, but... Um, yeah. But would 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 you ever consider checking out either either of these series? Yeah, actually, you know, hearing how much passion you guys are, you know, I trust your tastes and certain media, and I'd like to give these shows a try. Oh yeah, uh, with, with Hill House, I'll say it starts off a little, but then when it gets to like four or five and six, then it hits its stride. But then when you get to the end, lower your expectations a little bit because the the ending is not a 100% nailed it he'll uh Bly matter though actually really nails the ending in a emotionally satisfying manner that actually if anything else made me more teary-eyed than scared but that was the intent i yeah i i agree with that i'm i'm much more i'm much more invested um in the end of Bly manor uh because because like i said the like the love story between danny and jamie was was incredibly um, incredibly emotional and just just so well executed that yeah and and that, that, that actress has never done anything I'm like I want this lady's name her phone number her address I want her to get all the scripts now yeah her, her name is Amelia Eve and quite literally like outside of a few short films she was plucked out of obscurity and, yeah she, she's going and that's this. awesome because that's that's exactly what happened with um, Victoria Pedretti. Um, Mike Mike Flanagan just like 
basically plucked her out of plucked her out of thin air and yeah. from and from there like she's got she's gotten a few more like a few more um bit parts like she was one of she was one of the manson girls in um once upon a time in hollywood mm-hmm. and and this is almost i almost have to assume as an in joke uh victoria Pedrati showed up in the uh the movie about oh shirley jackson this year the shirley movie with uh with uh, Peggy from Mad Men, yeah, she was in that. <laughs> I, yeah. I really hope the executives were like, pick that lady that was in that Hill House show. <laughs> Either that, or it's just a massive uh, coincidence. Well, it, it happens. I mean, like that, like the guy who played Charles Manson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was picked to be Charles Manson in the Mindhunter TV show, and they were completely independent. Well, he would be good to play Charles Manson. Didn't we play this role? <laughs> he didn't tell them. No, no, he literally got picked by two separate people independently to play the exact same role in the same year. It was weird. Hmm. Yeah, it does sound weird. Um, yeah, um, I, I actually was um, trying to, like, I was tempted to give these shows a watch, but, you know, I have been kind of busy lately this past week, which is unfortunate because I really did want to, just so... Um, I, I wanted to, I would love to be a part of this conversation between you guys. And, but again, I was, I was just swamped this week, but I will definitely give these shows a try. Oh yeah. But, yeah. Uh, totally you understandable. You won't regret it at all. In fact, the most fun I'm having now at the moment is guessing what's this third season going to be. Cause they make Mike Flanagan already said, this is enough of a hit to make a third one. And he already has an idea and he's not telling. And I'm like, Ooh, what's it gonna be? Is it gonna be the Canterville ghost? Is it gonna be the woman in black? I don't know. I have to be curious. If he if he does if he does the woman in black, that like, I I I could see him knocking that one right out of the park. Yeah, will that be the haunting of Marsh Manor? I think is what that was called. Like, hmm. We'll we'll, we'll have we'll have to see on that. Uh, oh yeah. For net for now, we'll we'll stay we'll stay in Netflix because I. I really want to talk about uh, this next movie, the latest in Adam Sandler's um, Happy Madison um, Netflix deal. This is Hubie Halloween. Um, now, I don't, I don't know how well-versed you guys are in, in um, Adam Sandler's films from the 90s, but like in my in my opinion this is th- this this movie is about as good as like um as some some of some of his later films like the waterboy or um yeah like th- like this this movie feels like it was written around the same time as it does mhm uh now have you have you guys seen any of these other Netflix movies, or is this, or is this the first, the first one that you've actually given a chance? First one for me. I have multiple. Um, it's it's my first one just because such the horrible reviews for some of his other movies, like The Ridiculous Six, you know that that turned me off from um that sort of thing. And plus, I'm just I'm not generally a fan of that kind of that style of comedy. I just think it's kind of a little pedestrian, but. Yeah, I was willing to give this one a watch, though, just for the podcast. Yeah, it, Ridiculous Six is probably the worst thing he's done for Netflix. Did it, I remember there was a story. 
where there were uh, Native Americans uh, that were extras in the movie, and they were so offended by the jokes they were making, they walked out of the set. <laughs> yep, that sounds like the movie. Yeah. Which I think that came out literally the exact same week as The Hateful Eight. Yeah, I wonder why that with that name. Uh, yeah. It was it wasn't the same week, but it was the same the same month. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> but, but but still, um, not not good. Yeah, it gave me a very distinctive mockbuster feel, except it's on Netflix instead of a sci-fi channel. <laughs> that one was not great. Uh, he is he's his other Netflix films like Murder Mystery, not as bad, not fantastic, but they're watchable. Yeah, I've I've heard that mis- that murder mystery was was the most okay before 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 uh, Hubie Halloween. Yep, it's like the movie is all right, six out of ten, passable. It exists. Actually, I I gotta say I I will say I actually did quite enjoy this movie, um, Hubie Halloween, just because uh, it. It reminded me of more than anything was Ernest Scared Stupid. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh my God, you're right. It definitely has that sort of um, like that, like um, Ernest, um, like that, That like that, er, that er, yeah, that like that that Ernest who has um, to save it, who has to save Halloween. Um, This, yeah, yeah, the premise is that um, he plays. a Canadian down-on-his-luck guy who works at a bakery and he is such a scaredy pants. He always gets pranked around Halloween to the point where he has a Swiss Army thermos, which he always has on him, where he gets out of every situation, which he uses to get out of every situation. And Halloween, he notices a a lot of strange disappearances have been occurring. And he suspects it's all because of Steve Buscemi, who is his neighbor. He also suspects him to expects him suspects him to be uh, a four hundred year old werewolf, and uh, and it's a bunch of like crazy hijinks that happen as he's trying to piece together what's going on around him. And I think what sells this movie is because you know, he's su- he plays such a sweet character. It's honestly really impossible not to love him. Um. Yeah, he's just such a, a a good-hearted guy, honestly. And you know, they 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 do make some kind of obvious jokes at the expense of his accents, I guess. Because I I one of the first gags is that he's trying to explain what's going on to Kevin James in the opening. Who Kevin James, who was a cop. Um, Kevin James, he rolls up the window. And then, like, it's just, you can still see his mouth over it, and he's still kind of speaking that crazy, like, Canadian accent, like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm I'm, I'm Canada, yeah, yeah, but it's like a Canadian accent, and it's focused on his mouth as he's talking like that. And, and, uh, um, and there's some other, um, Adam Sandler, uh, the Happy Madison group that's in this movie, like, Rob Schneider, and uh, who who else? Um, any Steve, other Steve Buscemi? Yeah, uh, Steve Buscemi uh, mentioned that. Which, by Meadows. the way, is that a reference to when he played a werewolf in the Hotel Transylvania movies? Maybe it, it, it could have been. 
Yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all. Honestly, uh, at a point, I was almost wondering, is he playing the same character he played in Monster House? Yeah, and this is like a prequel or something. That would actually make a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, is um, is Kenan Thompson, is he uh, prevalent in Adam Sandler movies? Nah, nah I don't think so. Um, oh, not, not to my, not to my knowledge. Okay. Well, Rob Schneider and also uh, Ray Liotta is in it. Um, Maya Rudolph. Uh, June Squibb uh, plays the mom. Is um, is mom? And uh, this movie it has so many groaner jokes, but you just can't help but smile at them. You know, like they're just so juvenile, but they just just work. Um, like this one uh, uh, after this one kid who tries to prank him after he gets kidnapped, he suspects that uh, Steve Buscemi got him and he transformed into a wolf. Um, and he says, he sees the Siberian Husky and he thinks that's Steve Buscemi as the wolf. And then um, the the dog, he starts eating his own shit. He says, is that the boy in your feces? Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of jokes like that. Also a lot of dad jokes, the point where I'm like, yeah, you, you wouldn't get this, but there's a character in Bly Manor that makes nothing but dad jokes. This would be like if that guy starred in the horror show. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not gonna lie and say this is like the best, um, like the best comedy of the year, because there are there are a lot of like the uh, like a lot of those like Roner jokes and pl- there's plenty of gross out humor just for the sake of it. But at the same at the same time, um. Like the real, like the real strength of this movie is how how much it, like how authentic it feels, to, um, to like Halloween in this particular, in this particular small town. Yeah, it's like, in like, Salem, Massachusetts. Um, the Salem is where mm-hmm. it takes place. Yeah, and, and, and Salem's Salem's a perfect setting for the for the story. Yeah. Because you know, because yeah. you know, they they'll be going all out for Halloween. Yeah, it, it just, yeah, honestly, it just kind of brings you back to those uh, movies from the '90s where you know a lot of crazy stuff are happening around this particular holiday, and it's up to the main characters to save it, basically. And I think that's what kind of works about it is that it just kind of has that, you know that charm you know that seasonal charm yeah I, i'll call it 90s plot like i genuinely want to track down was this script written in like 1994 because i would believe it well the only thing i saw that uh is that the fact that um all the girls in this movie are dressed up like harley quinn <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> yeah yeah the, like they they do make some easy references and, like and i'm not talking about batman the animated series harley quinn like the recent margot robbie one. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Like that, they they even make a joke that like that like three different news reporters are have all yeah. dressed as Harley Quinn. Well, hey, I, I've I've seen enough conventions where that's not too much of an ex- exaggeration. Now there, there's there's what there's one cameo that that we see in like the first five minutes. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if I should if I should spoil that or not. I, it's not really spoiling if it, it's like in the first five minutes. I don't think. Yeah. Um, but if if you're a Billy Madison fan, then then you should be very happy to see to see this guy showing up again. I sure was. Billy Madison's arguably his best film. Better have to go more. 
Um, um, I'm, I'm sorry. I meant I meant Happy Gilmore, not Billy Madison, mm-hmm. which I think I think is a little a little bit funnier. That's true. Oh, but that but there is but there is a Billy Madison reference for one of the characters with with a last name O'Doyle. Yeah. <laughs> uh. This is our movie where I almost expected someone to bring back the whole it's like, I'm God have mercy on your soul. That probably would have fit in this movie too. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, actually we should mention um, uh, one of the actors who was going to be in this movie was Cameron Boyce. Yeah. Uh, the Disney Channel yeah. star. But sadly he passed away. There was actually a very sweet tribute to him at the end, um, I should say. Uh, it was very... Adam, he's generally regarded as a very nice, down-to-earth guy, I think. Oh, yeah. Everyone makes fun of him as a clown and not a good actor. Well, one of them's kind of true, the other one not. But he's a really good guy, and you can clearly tell with the end credits, like, yeah, that actually was a little bit more hard-hitting than I would have thought. Remember when he did a, a Netflix comedy special, and he did an entire song dedicated to Chris Farley? Oh, my God, yeah, I forgot he did that, yeah. Yeah, that, that um, I don't. I don't think I ever saw the whole special, but I watched the clip of him of him singing that song, and yeah, um, had to fight back some tears and and seeing seeing the like the in mem- in loving memory of Cameron Boys at the end of this, that that was sweet. Yeah, that was sweet. Like the movie and stuff. It's it's sweet. It's not terrible. It's definitely above the two. Uh, grown-up movies or that pixels film from like five years back definitely better than that yeah no uh, this, let, let, like i said this 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 feels like a movie that sandler would have made right right after like the water boy it, ha- it has that yeah or big daddy it has that um like that uh like earnestness to it um yeah um the only thing that generally surprised me was drew barrymore didn't play the love interest in this one yeah, that, that I would have bet on that. Instead, it's, it's, Ju- up, it's Julie movie. Bowen is her name. Yeah, from, I, from I, Modern Family. I liked um, I liked Julie Bowen in that role. Yeah, although I just kind of look a little bit like Drew Barrymore a few times. To the point where I'm like, is this like a discount? They couldn't get Drew Barrymore, so they went, okay, let's get someone who vaguely looks similar. And also, um, Shaquille O'Neal is also, and he was also in the trailers too. So I don't think that's spoiling anything. Um, it, it, it's a pretty funny role for how just cringe inducing that this joke is it, you just can't help but chuckle at it yeah that joke was so terrible it kind of almost reminded me of the jack and jill stuff with uh, al pacino where it's like this is so bad it kind of crosses over into being hysterical yeah mm-hmm. say hello to my chocolate blend jack pacino oh my god <laughs> oh they probably should have took us to oscar for that one yeah, uh, they even um they even have a bit and that uh, 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 the minutely funny joke in that is when Jill she knocks down Al Pacino's Oscar while they're playing golf in the house. She says, "Oh, don't worry, I'm sure you have plenty of those." And he's like, "Uh, no, not really." <laughs> uh, that movie's one of the worst movies ever made. But you know what? It's so bad it's good at certain points. Yeah. One 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 last thing I have to say about about Hubie Halloween is that. This this almost proves that I think Adam Sandler was bluffing when he said when he said if I don't get nominated for Uncut Gems I will make a 
I will make a movie so bad on purpose. Yeah, no, 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 no. This does not strike me as an in- unintentionally bad or intentionally. It's, it's no, no. Right. No, I, still bad. Hope, I still hope he goes by that and makes a movie that makes Jack and Jill look like Punch Drunk Love. Jack and Jill 2? Yeah. You'd, you'd have to try to make a, a movie worse than Jack and Jill. Exactly. And I hope he, I hope he delivers. Oh yeah, but the thing is, if you tried so hard, it would probably be more entertaining because I feel like you can't actually make the worst movie ever by being intentional. You get like you get Sharknado. You have to be earnestly terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Any any final thoughts on on Hubie Halloween? Uh, it, I'm pretty. They kept changing the name. I kept, they, pretty sure they pronounced it Hubby Halloween at least four or five times. Like what, what, pronunciation? Ah, whatever. Um. Yeah, it's a fun time. Uh, if you just want some '90s laughs, I'd say give this one a watch. Yeah, yeah. It's it. If if you want to add another another uh, Halloween movie to your to your yearly uh, watch through, this this one definitely fits the bill. Uh, actually, I, what I hope for is uh, can Netflix release this on VHS just like Stranger Things because that would feel really in character. Oh my God! Yes. I, I, I want like the like the v, like the VHS commercial and, and and everything. Just give me the whole package. Yeah, just give me all that '90s cheese. Just double down. Uh, one one more in in the Netflix family. We have um from from Lord Michaels. He produced uh, Vampires versus the Bronx probably one of the biggest surprises of of all the films that i've seen so far pleasantly so um tyler tyler i'll start i'll start with you um your general impressions of of vampires versus the bronx uh with a title like that i certainly had some expectations coming in it reminded me of like an old like 90s like direct video movie i think it was called like vampires versus the bloods it's like yeah i'm gonna get some schlock aren't i eh, actually it was a lot better than that surprisingly so from like this movie probably should have had another title actually yeah it it kind of it kind of reminded me of attack the block in in some ways like when you have we have like you have your core group of of characters who are you know trying to save their their little corner from from getting like completely overtaken by, by these vampires who, like, they 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 portray themselves as as kind of like a, um, like an Ital- an Italian mob, but uh, but obviously with supernatural abilities. Yeah, it again that title sounds like it's going to be an absolute schlock fest, but it's not. It's actually it was a comedy, of course, but it, it's it takes itself a little bit more seriously than I would have thought at times. Again, with a title it takes like it, that, it takes itself ser- like seriously enough that you um, that you care about these characters and and you want them to like you want them to win the day, but at but at the same time, um, like the uh, my 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 only one complaint is that. Um, I, I like the vampires could have been a little bit more intimidating, but yeah. but they yeah, but that's, that's, they were still they were still um, good for 
for what this film was. Oh yeah, and also I was very taken aback. This movie kind of has a bit of social commentary to it. That was the biggest shocker for me. Oh, definitely. It um, reminded me of like because I was in New York in 2019 before the pandemic hit, and I remember talking to this bartender. He's like, "Yeah, they they basically have gentrified Harlem, and they're coming for the Bronx next." And then I watched the movie. I'm like, "Oh my god!" That is well, he wasn't lying there. Nope. The only part he left out was the vampires. <laughs> he should. He was in on it. Yeah. Maybe he's part of the Illuminati or something. <laughs> he was a vampire. Um, yeah, what this movie... The best way I can describe this movie is imagine if Spike Lee directed a Goosebumps adaptation. Oh my god, that's actually the perfect summary. Yeah, that's that's uh, surprisingly accurate. But, but good. Because it does... Spike Lee. It, it did kind of give me do the right thing uh, vibes actually yeah um, but it's, it's good spike lee like not like it's like uh, defy bloods and uh do the right thing spike lee not summer of sam spike lee yeah it's like yeah the main premise is that there's kids uh the main one is miguel uh he's putting up flyers for a block party um to unite everyone in the bronx but there's um a real estate company called Murno Properties, which is actually a very clever uh, to F.W. Murno, the director of Nosferatu. Yeah. Right. Nice. Really, I, I didn't catch that. It's a lot more clever than just spelling the name backwards. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That that was like Alucard is Dracula. The Alucard Company. Oh, my God. Yeah. Alucard. Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely. And they discovered that this company is actually uh, run by vampires who want to eat the flesh out of these citizens whose property they buy so they can start taking over the Bronx and eventually the world, of course. And so it's up to these kids to stop them with everything they can get their hands on, including uh, a Blade DVD for research. <laughs> I love that that uh, Wesley Snipes had a weird resurgence lately because of that. Between this and his brief appearance on uh, what we do in the shadows, he's coming back as Blade, baby. <laughs> yeah, um, I like this movie because kind of like uh, Hubie Halloween, it, it does have an earnest vibe to it. Kind of feels like there are these guys in the Bronx, these people in the Bronx, they just want to make their own horror movie, and uh, this was the result of that. Although. Um, even though the cast consists of largely uh, no-name actors, uh, Zoe Saldana is featured in the mix, and she's been in the highest-grossing movie of all time twice in a row, Avatar and Avengers Endgame. Yeah, the, the two people I think I n noticed the most was, uh, I believe, Method Man was in there from The Wire, and uh, I think Shia Wingham from The Boardwalk Empire. Those are the two people I caught. Everyone else, I, I had no idea who they were. Yeah, yeah, Shea, Shea Wiggum is, is the biggest actor, um, I mean, aside, aside from Method Man, who actually sticks around. But yeah. I, everyone else is um, a, like fairly unknown, and that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I, th I think it's good that, that um, like, Lord, like, Lord Michaels is a big enough name because of SNL that, like, he he can he he can pretty much sell this movie on on his own name and then like like have have like um like a bunch of no name actors play the like play the main characters 
while filling the rest of the cast with um, a couple SNL uh, alumni. Uh, you know, you get you get Zoe Zoe Saldana to be the first uh, the first kill. Yep. <laughs> and then, yeah, when we say what she says, she's in there. It's like saying, "Ah, uh, yes, Drew Barrymore stars in Scream." Exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's who she played. Yeah, I was kind of looking through. Um, her name's like, so wait, who? Where is she? Because she died right before the credits uh, hit. Actually, which yeah. so that was kind of that was a rip off. So they got her just for that. She just said those lines. She got bit. She's like, okay, where's my check? <laughs> send it to my landlord yeah um yeah this this was a this is a cute movie i like i, I you know this movie you do get a sense of uniformity uh among these kids and you know their environment and it wasn't just the gentrification that they were uh tackling they were also about gang membership like one of the kids he's constantly tempted to join this one gang to rob a convenience store that's basically kind of like the backbone for this um community yeah and uh, granted though they don't really touch upon that very well it doesn't exactly go that much anywhere but it was nice of them that they could bring something like that up because that is apparently a problem in inner city locations yeah and it's subtle social commentary you'd you'd think just think about it like okay the bad guys are vampires who consume everything that could be pretty blunt is it? Yeah, there, there, there was another there was another detail um, that was a little bit timely, where where they like they have they have like the evidence of of Murnau's plan, but they're like we should take this to police, and and then one of the characters is like, you know you know that's not a good idea, right? Yeah. And then and then we oh, find yeah. out later that. Um, the, like the vampires pretty much have the police in their pockets. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> when was this movie made? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And apparently, this was uh, obviously this was made long before the recent uh, outbreak of police brutality and such. So yeah, they kind of they definitely had their finger on the pulse of that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I have very few complaints. It's just absolutely charming film and the only well actually the only complaint is that title really gives you the wrong impression going in oh yeah like they could have called it the bronx versus the vampire vampires it's like yeah maybe you could have someone come up with like a vampire pun in, Brook- in the bronx or something like yeah that title is just is really cheesy yeah just it gives you the wrong idea because it, it kind of felt like um at first glance, it sounds like you're going to be following the vampires as they fight the Bronx. Well, in the sequel, maybe we can do Vampires Take Manhattan. Mm. That that might be fun. Yeah. But yeah, on 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 the whole, I really liked uh, Vampires versus the Bronx. It's it, it's it's a fun a fun uh, comedy horror. That <laughs> if 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 this if they ever do make like make a sequel of um, of this. Or this becomes like a like a series. I I would honestly be all for it. Yeah, a solid recommendation. I, I quite enjoyed it, much to my chagrin. Recommendation for me too. And that takes us to the end of the Netflix section. We now have, uh, we now have the rest of the rest of these films are 
um, part of Amazon Prime's um, Welcome, Welcome to, to the Blumhouse Anthology. Welcome to the Blumhouse, yeah. We got mm. Worlds and Games. <laughs> do, do we? Um, now, where to start? You know what? Let's let's just rip let's just rip the band-aid off. We'll we'll start we'll start with the lie. Mm. What an the, accurate title. Yeah. Uh this movie premiered at um at TIFF uh two years ago. Um and it's actually it's actually an American remake of a German film that also premiered um three years before that at TIFF called We Monsters. Uh and the pre- the premise of this one is you have you have a father and a daughter. They're on they're on the way to some dance res- like retreat or something. Um, they stop they stop to offer a friend a ride, and from there, that's when uh, that's when chaos ensues. To like to put it like for lack of a better term, chaos ensues after after this incident. Uh, Jacob, I'll start. I'll start with you since you seem you seem to be the most positive about this uh, film. Yeah, actually, it was just I, I thought the acting was decent. I thought you know I I, I thought it had a nice um, atmosphere to it. I liked how it was about this family as they tried to because this family, you know, they've had their ups and downs to say the least. You know, they've. Didn't they? Didn't they have a divorce before all this happened? Uh, and like, yeah, they yeah, fear, yeah, they were, and now they're just barely um, coming back together as they're trying to cover the daughter's um, um, her crime essentially, and she they try to insist that to themselves that it was just an accident when she pushed this girl into a river. And she, but she keeps insisting that no, actually, it was on purpose. And you know, it's it's a very complex sort of family dynamic that goes between these three. And I liked how it kind of explored, you know, how far parents were would be willing to go to help their daughter, despite how spoiled, you know, she's been um, up until now. And you know, it is kind of a revealing look of how far spoiling your kids can go i think so i thought i thought it was a nice mood pace i personally thought so so what why did you guys hate it so much tyler i'll, I'll let you i'll let you start actually i'm gonna let you go first because i'm i have pretty much the same opinions of you just not as extreme um i th- i think the one um we'll, we'll 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 get to the twist in a minute but Generally speaking, the only reason I, I really wasn't enjoying this movie is because I've I've seen I've seen these sort of like cold cold thrillers before. Mm. Um, yeah, it's 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 nothing it's nothing new. They 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 pull a lot of the same tricks. Um, the like the family, the parents are divorced because that ad, that adds more tension to the plot. Yeah, it's very. Uh, I'm just gonna call this a Jurassic World syndrome. Ba- basically, basically, yeah. There's there's no there's no other reason that uh, that these two need to be divorced other than to create to create tension while while they're both trying to cover up for 
um, for the daughter's mistake. Uh, and they kind of reminded me of uh, Defending Jacob, that Apple TV Plus series. Uh, yeah, actually, one of the few TV series I've actually had a chance to get myself in. Hmm. And, you know, I, I meant that in a good way, honestly. I liked, uh, I just, I just liked how uh, low-key this was compared to the other movies of this anthology. You know, it did, it did feel like it was based off um, a European um, film and to be honest maybe it would have worked if I worked better if I saw it, that film instead but you know I am you know this movie does take some twists and terms that generally surprised me especially towards the end and I thought it was you know I just thought it worked for what I was trying to do alright I guess I should just say it I hated the end I hated the ending of this I I had had Rebecca or Kayla, that's her name, had Kayla actually killed her supposedly best friend, um, you know, I had, had she actually committed the crime, um, I, I would, I would have, I would have like been more invested in, um, in you know seeing this family coming together under under like the worst circumstances but but then but then when they reveal that it was all that it was all just like a prank essentially it 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 took any goodwill that the film had and just pissed it all away oh yeah that was that was awful like that that yeah that pulled me back all the way to the eighties. Like, does anybody remember a movie called April Fool's Day? It pulled me back all the way to that. Well, I think the thing about that was that it gave a new meaning to the title, "The Lie," which uh, I thought, um, like the the whole point of it, I thought was that you know um, them trying to cover the parents trying to cover up the daughter what she did that that brought them together. Like they even said she even says that she was concerned. Um, spilling the beans and just telling them, but she heard, you know, how close they were when they were trying to come to her defense. And, you know, I think that says a lot about how much she was willing to, you know, cover up to keep the charade going just to be a family again, I thought. And I thought that had some kind of subtext to it. And I also add that the parents were probably the worst parents I've seen in a movie since, oh God, that... Does anybody maybe remember that Halle Berry movie Kidnapped? It was like that level of terrible. Oh yeah, I saw I saw that. This the, these two are about these two movies are about as disposable. Yep. I, I can I feel like I'm missing something now. I guess I mean at this point, like it is kind of hard for me to defend this now because you know you guys have such strong opinions of it. Well, I I, I don't hate it as much as Michael, but I'm like I. It's it's not a movie. I'll go out on a way to go. Yeah, guys, you gotta see the lie. I I will I will give it some credit. I I think I think uh, Joey King does a great job. Yeah, um, playing this character who yeah. is who has basically been spoiled her her entire life, and he, like even even as like a fifteen year old, she's still she is still just. Like, she she kind of expects things to go her way all the time, 
Um, and you know, it, it's always nice to see Pierce, Peter Sarsgaard um, showing up in in anything. He's he, he's like he's one of those solid character actors who you can who you can depend on. Yep, and he is reliable on this one. He did not drop the ball. Yeah, I, I, maybe I'm just a sucker for this sort of um, soft, like slow burn thrillers. I mean, I guess maybe. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'll, it did. Does it? Did this movie remind anybody of like a simple plan a little bit? A little bit. Which I, I love that film, but um, um, I can understand why someone would like that. Yeah, you're right. It's a slow burn. If if, <laughs> if this is like if this is like your first, your first slow burn thriller, then. I, it's not my it, it's not but it's just something that it's something that personally thrilled me i just like i also like it's kind of snowy atmosphere i just thought that kind of added to the bleakness of it all and i just thought it was a nice atmospheric movie it was decently shot yeah, yeah. The, cinem- the cinematography was was okay um honestly though this felt like the more i kept watching this the more it reminded me of of the snowman from a few years ago. Oh, oh yeah. my! So, well, okay, it, it's not that bad. You no, could it, have it, saved it, her. I gave you all the clues, Mister Police. Did you actually see it? I think today, like someone did a freaking like dub of that movie uh, as like a music video. Oh God! Yeah, Snowman. It's eternal. This movie was produced by Martin Scorsese. Please remember this. But yeah, the lie. The lie was was not. A favorite of mine um definitely my least favorite of the of the four yeah i'll agree with that uh, i i'd say um if you're into that sort of thing give it a try i think it's possible you could be pleasantly surprised like i was yeah Maybe. don't 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 let don't let our opinion well we kind of we kind of spoiled it already you guys <laughs> that is true okay we might have to include uh that and the show notes for this. Oh, right. oh that, that that there that there are spoilers. Yeah, should have mentioned that up top. Um, yes. Whoops. Moving moving up in up the quality meter is a a, a pretty trashy uh, romant, romantic thriller called Evil Eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is. So the, so the plot of this one is kind of fascinating. A seemingly perfect romance turns into a nightmare when a mother becomes convinced her daughter's new boyfriend has a dark connection to her own past. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this, this one starts off with, with a flashback to um, when the mother played by... One sec. Um, play, played by uh, Sarita... Audrey. Um, yeah, Audrey. Um, like her, like the the start of the film flashes back to like when she was um, Pallavi's age, um, and it sh- and it shows it shows you know her getting uh, abused by her, I guess ex ex boyfriend or ex fiance, and then we and then we cut to the present. Um, her daughter her daughter is living in in New Orleans. And she moved back home to to Delhi, and um, you you've you've seen these kind of movies before, where uh, where they like kind of yeah. where where they like they kind of go into um, like the the cliche of 
of Indian culture where like the like the parents are always trying to arrange arrange uh like they're arranging um media like like lo- like uh how should I put this? Uh, uh matchmaking. Yeah. Like the like the parents are are always like trying to matchmake um with their their kids because <laughs> It actually has a really cliche in a lot of movies about India. It's like, we got to yeah. find a match for the daughter. Mm-hmm. Although I, I, I kind of got a kick out of, out of the twist they put, they put on to this film. It's, it's trashy. Like, like, I don't think this movie is any good per se, but it's, it's very entertaining in its approach. Uh- it is the uh, the equivalency of picking up a romance novel at a grocery store and just adapting that. Oh, it's oh, it's ex- it's exactly that. Yeah. But apparently, this this was based on um, on an Audible original uh, audio play. Um, oh, by I can the, tell. By by the screenwriter uh, Madhuri uh, Shekhar. Yeah, it's it's pretty disposable. <laughs> it feels kind of this tacky in that regard. The only thing of note is I can't wait for Nicholas Sparks to copy this in like six months. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is the kind of uh, story you'd see at a gas station, like a gas station novel. Yeah, but it, back in my day, we used to call those uh, like uh, page turners. Uh, yep. Um, but yeah, this this is this is definitely it definitely has that trashy vibe, but I think it's there's there's a little there's a little bit of uh, humanity in there. Um, like I like the, I yeah, like the, I like the between between uh, Pallavi and her and her mother. Mm-hmm. I I I also I liked the dad character too. I should say like he did kind of this like like I did feel sorry for him as as he was watching his wife become obsessed over you know the boyfriend like and he thinks that she's just overreading stuff and you know she like he even says that in the beginning that. Uh, astronomy is just a bunch of pseudoscience no astrology i should say is yeah, a bunch okay. of pseudoscience and and yeah she looks at horoscopes she looks at like the energy that um that this boyfriend had with her boy ex-boyfriend and yeah like and you can see his world fall apart actually and i did feel feel for him in that regard yeah his 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 arc was was um I yeah I I felt a a lot of sympathy toward towards him, like, like like you said, every, everything around him is kind of crumbling. Um, like he he's at home while while his wife Usha is uh like like she's like she's not quite feeling herself. Um, she never really leaves the house. Um, like she's like she seem she seems more paranoid ever since. Ever since these two got together, now, now, what, what do you guys think of uh, the boy, the boyfriend? I thought he was a, a charming actor. I thought he, yeah. he was, he was delightfully villainous. Yeah, he was, he was, he was charming. He was, he was fine. He wasn't Slimy. terrible. Yeah, <laughs> other way to put it. Yeah, I, 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 I like, I liked him just enough. Um, like he, he struck, he struck that nice balance between. Um, like between so, like someone who, you know, genuinely wants to be with, um, with Pallavi, but, 
he could like in a second he can also turn on the creep factor oh definitely oh yeah uh, um, would you see would you guys say that this was at least an interesting look at indian culture night and beliefs uh i don't know how accurate it is but it, it was interesting i suppose uh, I mean, outside of the supernatural element, this is probably as as accurate as you're gonna get. Um, like the only like the only uh, the only other point of reference for for like this specific aspect of of their culture is um, in in the big sick in the big sick they made like they they kind of made that into um, into a subplot for uh, Kumail Nanjiani's character. But they 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 didn't really dive into that, um, like as as much. Um, one one thing I one thing I kind of love, and probably not for for the right reasons, is uh, the climax of this film because it just it just goes completely off the rails. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This is a movie where it's it's I, I'm just gonna call this a dog eat script movie because at a point it's like. Okay, whatever the idea we had originally that went out the window. Let's just crack that knob. Yep. Because like you know, so far it sounds like a Nicholas Sparksian sounding romance film about you know Indian culture, and then it just becomes supernatural. Yeah. You know, just because. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And anyway, it was it was kind of it was an entertaining little movie. I thought like just if you just want to watch it for just like trashy reasons, I guess that's like the most backhanded compliment I can give it. It's enjoyably trashy, is what I'd say. I I'd say I almost want to almost offhandedly recommend it just because of how trashy and enjoyable it is. It's not great, but it's not dull. Yeah, th- this this is one I I kind of want to watch again with um with uh with friends because it has that that enjoyably trashy element to it that is it's too, it's too much fun to watch to really hate but it's it's also not good enough to genuinely recommend yeah that's a good way of putting it um mo- moving up the quality scale is the fir- like the first of these four that I that I watched um black box this was yeah. this this was the more sci-fi heavy film of the of the anthology. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacob, do you want to describe this one? Well, yeah, well, it's about a man who survived a car accident, but his wife didn't, and his daughter is trying to help him live a normal life. You know, she basically becomes his guardian, and you know, he feels worth he feels helpless essentially and then he comes across this psychiatrist or a doctor who offers to help him regain his memory by planting him in his memories um so he can recognize his surroundings more and such and it turns out she has more ulterior more motives um actually and like it actually and he finds out that there's more to his past than he thinks. Yeah. So of all of all the films, this one, this one was the most interesting in in terms of, like, in terms of the questions it raises about 
about identity, um, about li like living living your life as as two different people, um, and you know how like how you how how you recover from like a like a traumatic event like a like a car accident. It's fascinating. Probably yeah. probably not probably not perfect. I can this this is one of those movies that definitely feels like it was from a first time a first time director. In fact, all of these except except for the, the except for the lie are um, like from first time directors, which is which is pretty fascinating. Oh, actually, really? I would not have guessed that. It gives them a chance to like get their foot in the door. Yeah. You know, also, first time directors are usually more overambitious than not, and this is a case of being overambitious, but that's not the worst thing you can do. Per person personally, I I would rather watch I would rather watch a film with too much ambition than than not enough. And, Without and, question. Yeah. And there's a lot there's a lot of ambition in in this premise. Yeah. It definitely is. And it, it did remind me of Get Out, but like it is sort of like Get Out and to some degree, wouldn't you say? It's it, it it's like it's like get out, but with a but with a more um, like a heavier sci-fi bent. Yeah, there's not quite as much political commentary in this either. Oh yeah, no, it's it's not. It, it kind of like get out, but it doesn't really have like a much of a straight punch message. It's it's more of a general concept movie. Like okay, here's some topical concept, but they don't really dive into it super hard. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's that's my biggest issue. It, it like it raises a lot of interesting questions, but but by by the end, by the end, like you're not really you're not really left with the most satisfying answers. Um, right. And I don't I don't think there was quite there was quite enough um, substance in the story, um, you know, to to give us any more of a. Uh, like a strong recommendation, but I, there, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, like, there are a lot of elements to this. I really liked, for example, I, I think the, like the actor who played um, the main, like the main character, Nolan Wright, his, uh, his name is um, Mam Mamudu Athi. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. The, yeah. Like, yeah. Like that that performance was excellent, um, and and I thought that the I thought the daughter was uh, was good too. Yeah, it's pretty rare to find a really good child actor in, in this in age, like one that's especially good. I think. Yeah, we, we need to have less experienced than adult actors. Yeah, this this month basically struck gold with the two kids from Bly Manor, and then left it at that. Oh yeah. Um, I, I I also think it's kind of cool that uh, that Claire Huxtable is the one who plays uh, Doctor Brooks. Yeah, that's um Felicia Rashad, <laughs> best best known for her role in the the Cosby Show. Yeah, that was an interesting casting choice. Yeah. Well, what I will say about the movie is um, 
again with the critiquing of titles lately can they just call it something else other than black box because there's like about 15 other movies and i think like three tv shows with that exact same title so you just type that into google i'm not quite sure you're gonna find this on the first hit yeah, I, I I had to search I had to search for this directly on on Prime Video because other otherwise like it would have gotten it would have gotten lost in the in the Google search. Yeah, it's like no, I didn't mean to look for the 2013 Kelly Riley TV show. No, I don't want that black box. Um, on on the whole, so far we'll 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 get to Nocturne in a minute, but on the whole, some something I have I have liked about the welcome to the Blumhouse anthology is that no, no two, no two films are alike. They, they each, right. they each bring something different to the table. Um, mm-hmm. wh- wh- whether it's different genres or, or like different, like different ethnicities, like taking, taking the lead role. It's, it's refreshing. It's refreshing um, to, to see this much, this much variety there theatrically though they are this thematically though they are the same because they all consist of family dynamics dynamics and family issues that is a good point yeah i think oh, that's yeah, what they're yeah. going for when they united these movies together now that now this is supposed to be an eight film film like anthology so i'm i'm really curious when like when we'll see the next like the next four after this Probably next Halloween. That's a safe guess. Don't worry, Blumhouse always gets its way. That it does. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and any any final thoughts before I move on to the last film in this anthology? Uh, I'll say this, which is to uh, any upcoming filmmaker: don't be afraid to be overambitious on that first film. Most people will be sympathetic if you try a little too hard the first time around. Yeah. I, um, I agree. I agree with that. I I would rather, I'd rather you take you take a big swing and miss, than, than basically just uh, bunt and and walk. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good metaphor. That's actually perfect. Yeah, you 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 didn't hit a strike, but you didn't hit like nothing. It just the ball went somewhere. Uh, so now so now we head to my favorite of the four this is nocturne and mm. the like the best way that i can describe this film uh, before i before i read off the plot is that it's basically it's basically um black swan but but for musicians as opposed to ballet so as so as children, twin sisters, uh, Julia and Vivian, love playing the piano. By the time it comes to graduate high school and as the final performance of the year beckons, Vivian's achievements have overshadowed any hopes and aspirations Julia may have had. For Julia, living as an understudy to her sisters meant seeing her dedication go unrecognized, while Vivian flirts with the adulation of her tutors, cohorts, and sexual conquests. With her self-confidence plummeting, Juliet happens upon the diary of a recently deceased classmate. This discovery sets off a chain of events which seemingly begin to swing the pendulum her way. Boy, this this movie. This this is exactly what I'm talking about when I, when I say it's a it's a film that is not 
short of ambition by any, by any stretch of the definition. Tyler, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, what do you think of not Nocturne? I think I would agree with you. I thought this was my favorite of the four. It, it, it's not a masterpiece like Black Swan, but I think it's very comparable and uh, it's very well done if you're in, in the, into music, which I, I'm not part of the music industry, but I have had a, I, I was almost a drummer once. So, you know, I guess I can kind of relate a little bit. Uh, what, what I'll say first off is uh, for anybody who wants to see, like, oh, I can't wait. Who's in that movie? Nobody. Not really. <laughs> I think the most notable cast member is the lady from uh, the first couple seasons of Dexter. She's in there somewhat. Oh, uh, Julie Benz. That's it. Julie Benz. That was her name. Also from Angel. But the main cast members, the two sisters, I can't say I've seen them in anything. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with that. Um, what, like, you, you know Vivian from, from a few films. Um, you you would know her as Bethany from uh, Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle. That's who that was. Oh, oh my really? god! What? Yep. Uh, okay. Hmm. I'm generally stunned here. I actually she didn't look at it's, all it, similar. Um, it's it's before before they go into uh, the the game. Jeez. Um, hmm. she she also she also played like I guess the older sister in uh, in Goosebumps Two: Haunted Halloween. And she that was classic. in. And she was in. Um, Annabelle comes home. God, I, always was, I, I always mix up the Annabelle movie, so that one's not really helpful. But but I remember I remember Bethany, so I'm like, oh wow, that's the same actress. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> I, I, I was a little bit taken aback too, like uh, before before I turned on the film, but but then I watched it, like, oh my god, no, she's like, she's act. She actually gives a really good performance in this. Um. Both both the leads do, yeah, uh, very much so. Those those two leads are, I think, the best part of the movie. Yeah, their 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 chemistry and like and their relationship really, really drive drives uh, the narrative. Um, I I I thought it was really fascinating seeing, um, seeing Juliet's um, like seeing her descent into, like into jello- like she like she starts off. Like, obviously, um, feeling feeling like deflated, and feeling a little jealous. But then she find she finds the the notebook, and ba- basically make makes a deal with the devil. Practically, yes. Yeah, the, the whole movie is like a, I mean, just call it a very loose adaptation of like the devil went down to Georgia, where it's like you made that bargain, things are gonna get down now. Yeah, it it. It certainly has those like Faustian elements to it. Yeah, very much so. And also, if, if you had a sibling that you know the whole prodigy sibling thing with, oh, my brother got to do everything but me. It's like, yeah, you'll relate to that, I'm sure. Oh yeah, there's there like th- there are elements of that that I relate to a lot. Um, I, um, for for like ten years. I like I actually did take uh, piano lessons. Um, well, all 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 three of us did, and while I while I never I never really felt well I ne- while I never really felt like jealous or or overshadowed by my brothers, um, I like I I under I understand like that like that sort of feeling, 
also uh, also be, being the middle child in like i i've um i have often felt felt overshadowed in in other areas mm-hmm. so i i kind of i kind of understood a lot a lot of like the emotional turmoil that that these two are are going through it is a tragic story in that regard because you know their sisterly relationship is kind of tested when she gains this knowledge you know she tries to basically one up her sister you know it is kind of sad in that regard you know trying to you know you know the, for them just drifting apart as you know they become more and more into this music and they end up becoming the best piano player they can be plus plus um this this really this really kind of takes a dark like takes a darker look at at how competitive these like the like these uh you know prestige music schools um and like you know like the competitive side to to being like the best musician this this really this really kind of um it 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 like it feeds into like that um like that like the dark competitive nature of like everything you need to sacrifice in order in order to become like the next the next mozart or uh or i don't know um some some other um next beethoven yeah oh oh yeah that that, that reminds me of every so often when 60 minutes has some music prodigy they'll always go how do you feel being the next mozart and they always give that answer every single time it just annoys me to the point where you have you can't does everyone have to always be compared to mozart yeah and and then there's a like dark competition thing actually reminded me of the uh recent little uh fight between uh well not so much between but uh with uh, <clears throat> the musician david crosby not much caring for uh, the late uh Eddie Van Halen. That's what this reminded me of. The sort of, yeah, just be, when you're good, people will just always criticize you no matter what. Mm. Yeah, like that. That sort of competition to the extreme. So yeah, this movie's very yeah, competition, sibling rivalry, Faustian bargain. It's going through quite a few things. Yeah. yeah. But the cinematography in this is also is also just um, it's it it's very it's very mesmerizing like i think that i think this this film looks the best out of out of the four yeah the cinematography yeah, that looks arguable. the most it, it looks the most black swanish through cinematography very reminiscent of the way that movie was shot yeah and also there are also, also um her their teachers they kind of get caught into this uh to this trauma as well we should also uh bring up that you know they, you know they kind of um, get theirs for um, damaging these girls psychologically. Yeah, what's just... what's kind of funny is that, um, um, for for better or worse, one way one way that you can easily tell that this this was written and directed by a woman, pretty much all the male characters suck in their own way. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I mean the like the best the best one is probably Max because you know, he did he did nothing wrong, but but like the um like both both of their of their music instructors um Hen- like Henry Cask 
and I I forget the name I forget the name of the of the other one, but like they're they're both they both like they pretty much just treat treat them like like garbage, and then naturally they get their comeuppance. Yeah, all the all the male teachers are mm-hmm. just basically uh, like whiplash. <laughs> they're like that type of teacher. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Except they don't even have the they don't even have the goodness of J.K. Simmons. No, they're just they're just mean. Right. Uh, now what? Now what did you guys think of the ending? So I was expecting the ending um, a mile away. Honestly, it wasn't that much of a twist. Yeah, it was. It's not a very surprising ending to guess. Yeah. It it it's it it was one of those like in like inevitable endings. But I I like I like the road that took us there. Yeah, to me it felt less more like a twist and more like inevitability. Like, yeah, I know we're gonna get to this point eventually. It, it becomes more instead of shock, it's more dread. Like, yeah, it's coming, it's coming. Although although I although I will admit they they had me for a second when they um, when they cut to you know they they cut to the like the dream sequence ending where um, where it's it's the more um optimistic view of how that that evening went as, as opposed to the reality yeah yeah that, definitely that almost went almost like kaufman-esque where it's like here's what you wanted not uh, overall i'd say yeah it was uh the best of the collection by far the fact that this is apparently a first-time director is uh very surprising just like uh, the lie but in a good way I would say generally this was a solid bunch of movies in their own way. Like obviously um, some aren't as good as others, but you know, it's, I thought this was a decent collection, a mostly decent um, sub franchise of movies. Um, uh, do you know this would have been, uh, actually this just dawned on me. If this was made about 30 to 40 years ago, this would have been like that, uh, Tales from the Crypt movie, which is like five short horror stories in like one movie. Yeah. It, it it does well, kind of I, feel feel like that, except except obviously this is this is more expanded. Out, but but it, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. all feature length chapters. Um, yeah, yeah. Also, like, kind of also like those anthology movies, like Creep Show or Twilight Zone, the movie. Except no one died during the production of any of these. Oh yeah, yeah. It it, it exactly. It's like like those anthology movies. Some are better than others, but overall, it's a fun package and it's worth recommending. Yeah, even the lie, and I'm sorry, guys, but I do think that it was decent. No, no, don't apologize. Yeah, yeah we 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 all have our own our own tastes. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, personally, though, I am I am the most interested in what um, writer and director uh, Zoo Quirky. I don't know if I said that right, but I am definitely interested in in what she has cooking up in the future whatever she plans to do yeah that's another name i'll put on my rolodex so i want to see what she's doing next and th- and that go that goes for the for uh the directors of any of these four movies yes including the lie i i want to see these filmmakers um you know like continue to continue to thrive in the in the industry it was cool of Jason Blum to give them that chance. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, ha- I'm happy that that Jason Blum 
uh, like came up with this idea for for Prime Video. Yeah, in between making Halloween movies now. Yeah. Now there's one more film that we need to talk about, and this is the most recent release. We have a uh, a new adaptation of Roald Dahl's novel The Witches. This time directed by Robert Zemeckis. Um, Jacob, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with you on this one. First, okay. first, of, first of all, have have you ever seen the original? I have not. Okay, neither, neither have I. I actually have. <laughs> Ooh, okay, that's good. So the witches is about a boy who loses his parents and is taken in by his grandmother. And the boy comes across a woman who tries to tempt him with candy. And according to the grandmother, oh, by the way, the, the grandson and the grandmother, they don't have names throughout the entire thing. Um, she is familiar with this scenario. Uh, she lost a friend to a witch. Uh, her friend was transformed into a chicken because she accepted candy from a witch. And so she takes the boy to a hotel where they will be safe but little does she know that there is a society to allegedly protect children from harm who are actually a band of witches who wish to turn all the children of the world into mice. And the boy becomes a victim of that plan and he and two other mice children must find out, must find out a way to stop them from carrying out this dark plan. Yep, that, that yep, that's that's exactly what the movie's about. And uh, if you've seen the original, that's actually roughly the same plot. With 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 um, with at least one significant difference. Um, yes, I, I I may not have seen the original film or or read the book, but I'm I'm aware that for this film, they they made they took a pretty hard left by setting the story in 1968 Alabama and casting an African, an African-American to play, to play hero. Yeah. His name is literal. His name is literally hero. hero. <laughs> Which was also the name of the kid protagonist and the other Robert Zemeckis movie, the polar express. Yeah. It's almost I'm, like I'm, he has a default <laughs> name. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, can you imagine if Marty McFly was named uh hero boy? <laughs> yeah actually they do throughout the movie they actually do um because they never say each other's name strangely like they have this weird way like when he's a mouse he goes up to her and says hey grandma it's me your grandson which is which well, is not weird. his name but his grand your grandson it's weird because of the book and the 1990 film the characters had names no i don't think they, they didn't in the book i don't think no like it in the night in the nineties movie, they did. His okay, name was like, Luke. Yeah, I think I remember. I think his name was Luke, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I haven't read that book in a long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a very interesting choice to set it in nineteen sixty-eight Alabama. Probably would not have been liked by Roald Dahl, but then what the heck would he have liked? Yeah, isn't he the same Roald Dahl? Like, didn't um, he refuse to have Charlie in the book be? Uh, african-american actually didn't he like wasn't there a story that broke out that there was suggested that he would make him black but he, he just refused to 
possibly. I know he was very adamant you will never adapt the glass elevator. I know this was one of the last films he actually saw before he died. He hated it because, of course, he did. I think the closest thing was he, he uh, was it was the stop motion one Henry Selleck did in 92? That was the closest thing to a movie he ever liked. Um, in 92, was it 92? It was the, the role, the, the uh, Henry Selleck stop motion one, uh, James and Giant Peach. Oh, that, that was uh, 90, either 96 yes. or 97. 96. Yeah, was it? Uh, yeah, 96, 97. His wife said, I'm pretty sure he would have loved it, which is about the closest we'll ever get to a movie that Roald Dahl liked. Yeah, the, the animated one. Yeah, um, yeah, what. He hated um, the Nicholas Rogue nineteen ninety movie because the children didn't stay mice. You know they were turned back to kids. Yeah, which actually I was told there's that was originally filmed as an ending, but that tested so poorly with test audiences that they went, eh, "Let's make it a happy ending." Okay. No, actually, no. I bring this. Apparently, it was his intention to make uh, Charlie black, but um, it was persuaded just to make him white. Actually, so I don't think huh. I don't think he was I don't think he was formally against that, but I know that he did say some um some kind of ugly anti-Semitic comments. Yeah, uh, that was, I was about to bring that up because this this is a book that uh, if you yeah. look at it the wrong way, you can kind of oh the world's run by hook-nosed creatures that don't look like they're human. Oh, I can kind oh, of oh yeah hmm. yeah that 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 kind of that like re- reading into that um pa- paints paints this story in a very ugly light yeah yeah which is why it's much more intriguing that this movie set in 1968 alabama because that's about yeah and is and is narrated by chris rock yeah, yeah chris rock and the main the best actress is probably octavia spencer yeah it's octavia oh. spencer yeah yeah so uh, i he wouldn't have not liked it, but it's a, it's a very it's an interesting choice to stand out from the 1990 film, which most people probably remember because of Angelica Houston as the Grand High Witch, who was absolutely fantastic. She always is. I but I I would I would say I'm I I don't I don't think it's fair to compare um, Angelica Houston to Anne Hathaway because oh, oh no right um they're not they're not play character not even the same universe. But yeah. I, I still, I still absolutely loved um, Hathaway's performance because oh, good lord! <laughs> because oh. she gets, she gets to, she, she basically gets to throw caution to the wind and oh, ham this thing up to eleven, and it's, yeah, the, it's the glorious. First, the first time you see her, she has like this ridiculous dress with like long like gloves and like a see-through hat, and like, yep. Yeah, this is the like, level we're going to be dealing with all the whole way. She's like Glenn Close in 101 Dalmatians. Except even more ridiculous. Oh, no, no. I mean, no. Oh, Actually, no, I outfit. take that back. She was, no, Glenn Close was subtle compared to this. Yep. Yes. My, my favorite review was like a guy on Twitter who just said, wow, I never knew Anne Hathaway became a camp queen overnight. Right. No, yeah, I, I, mean, I, for one, she... welcome our new, our new camp queen overlord. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, this she... is like, this is, this is so, uh, to quote the, I think it was like the great Roger Ebert said this, like, oh, she didn't just eat the scenery. She kind of went from side to side, just devouring everything in sight. Yeah. It was like, it was like Thanksgiving dinner to her. <laughs> yeah. Everything's a turkey. Jesus is going to just dig in and just bite. Whoa. She just, she commits. Yeah, she does. She does. Um, 
unfortunately though we're spending so much time talking about Anne Hathaway because dis- despite the like departure from the source material honestly there's there's not a whole lot really to talk to talk about at, not, at least not really no at least yeah. on my end yeah they, they I, didn't do they didn't do much with that 1968 time period as much as i would have thought yeah um i i actually enjoy this movie um quite a bit i think if i was a kid if i saw this i would have loved it oh oh, if, oh, yeah. oh yeah i i agree with that if i saw if if i saw this like um growing growing up um this this would have been on constant rotation probably yeah. as much as as you know stuff like willy wonka and the chocolate factory or the wizard of oz or and any of those other like um like any of those other kids film like um staples i don't know if i would go that far as a staple but i'm like it's a sort of movie that uh, if it had been made in the 90s like the original people would definitely remember it but in the same way people remember like mommy dearest where it's like wow what the, that performance the witches, okay uh, i gotta say um yeah um the last big um adaptation of a world doll book was spielberg's the bfg all right i, I like that one quite a bit Actually, the, the the only thing about that was that it was a very soft uh, version of a Roald Dahl book. It wasn't quite as dark as they thought. Like Spielberg just kind of removed the edges from the book. It didn't feel fully dull. But this one, this one more than makes sense. It is full blown Roald Dahl. I, mm-hmm. I, I guess. I mean, just like the witches, they scared me as an adult. You know, like they have like Anne Hathaway, she has like this Heath Ledger Joker grin and which, which eventually and, turns into like a J-pop horror grin. Yeah, and then she and she has um as like what's cool is she has three fingers on each hand and they kind of and the only the only three fingers are the thumb, the index finger, and the pinky. So it constantly looks like the Hail Satan sign. I <laughs> wonder if that's intentional. And also, and her feet only have one toe on each, and and a good look like 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 there's like the way she talks, even she just goes completely insane. Like there's a part where she says "watchers," and then and she sounds like a cat who's coughing up a hair. But it's just so scary. I, I, I want I, 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 okay that, that scene. I, I I want somebody to play a clip of like you know her from like Mayo Zarab singing "I've Dreamed a Dream" next to that and say this is before, this is after. Yeah, <laughs> nice. you you could tell she was having a ball with this. Oh yeah, I I I love her design because it is something that's very some something we have we haven't quite seen before, um, and. Yeah, and also like I'll, even with the kids when they transform into rats, they have these gross purple like pimples on their on their faces before, and then their mouths and then their 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 teeth. They have like these buck teeth now, and they have the long nose, and it's just, it is generally disgusting watching the transformation. It's not like a puff of smoke, and all of a sudden uh, they're just rats, and then they turn to mice under the under the heaps of clothing no they just they go full on with the transformations here um i think i think my biggest my biggest criticism is um as as much as i love robert zemeckis everyone knows that like back to the future and who framed roger rabbit are some of my favorite films of all time Mm -hmm. but i'm not 
I'm not convinced that he was the right, the right pick to, to direct this one. I think, mm, yeah. I, I honestly feel like, um, if if Guillermo del Toro, who co-wrote the script, by the way, yeah, if, but if oh, he yeah, that that needs to be mentioned, some um, of his ideas kind of bled through in the character design. Um, but I th- I think if del Toro himself helmed the project, he like he he would have added a little bit a little bit more grit to to like the visual um, aesthetic. I like this this just looks too it looks too glossy um just despite um despite how great the character designs are i think i think the i think the overall look of the film is is a little too glossy for my taste yeah yeah for at least for what this film requires the yeah the glossiness might also because of all the cgi which is a the hallmark of zumegas at this point yeah it doesn't look all that convincing honestly and honestly uh when the mice when they're scurrying around what what, what I instantly thought of was a uh, mouse hunt. Remember that movie? Oh, uh, recently. God, I, I I haven't seen that in ages. Yeah, yeah, especially Alan Silvestri. He does the score for this, and it, it definitely brought some uh, mouse hunt flashbacks. Yeah, the, the one thing that the 1990 film did objectively better was the effects, because that was all Jim Henson created. Oh yeah, they is... they were good. They were they were good. Yeah, that was that was great too. And honestly, I loved the uh, relationship between the grandfather, grandmother, and the grandson. You know, like it was the real heart of it. I thought. Yeah. It was. She just basically she just takes him entirely under his wing, and you know, when he's still down the dumps over his parents dying, she puts on a record and she starts dancing. You know, trying to cheer him up, although it doesn't uh, work immediately, but it does work. I think he does start dancing with her later on, and um. You know, she tells him how, you know, you know, she's a woman who's very committed to her faith. Like she says, you know, God doesn't always, God has a plan for us. It's not always what we want, but we just kind of put faith in it, you know, and, you know, and I, you know, she was a very compelling woman. I thought she, she, Octavia Spencer, she really held the movie together. I thought. Yeah. yeah. Spencer's one of those actresses that like, um, like, Kind of like Peter Sarsgaard's um, character in The Lie, um, Spencer's one of those actresses who are like completely reliable for this for this character. In that time role, yeah, yeah. It, also, she certainly become a bit of a collaborative with Del Toro because she was also in The Shape of Water. Shape of Water, yeah. Yep. Um, Stanley Tucci, he was also in this. He played a bellhop. I know he played um, a man, the manager of the hotel. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, he was good, but he wasn't given that much to do, unfortunately. No, but Stanley Tucci, he always makes whatever he has work. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I liked um, his character just fine. He he does he does though look look like um, like a very comic book accurate uh, depiction of of uh, Alfred. Oh yeah, oh, he did. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He's got the accent down pat. Yeah, southern accent. Hmm. I have a southern Alfred. That would be an interesting take. Yeah, southern Batman. I'm down with that. (laughs) Yeah. I really want to hear uh, uh, Alfred say, "All right, all right, all right," like Matthew McConaughey. 
Oh god. <laughs> I'll get the car, sir. Yeah, get the car. Can I persuade you to take a sandwich with you, sir? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure some all Allsworth story is gonna do that now. Yeah. Probably. Now what now what'd you guys think of uh Chris Rock's narration? Oh, it's fine. Yeah, it was nothing like it was again, it's not really a voice I would associate with um uh Roald Dahl just because I, I think Roald Dahl is this kind of author whose books you have to read with a British accent. Yeah. Like, he does have that kind of nasty uh British sense of that very dry um sense of humor and like and Although um, Amer- Fantastic Mr. Fox, the Wes Anderson movie, that was a largely American cast, and that worked fine, I thought. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not a... Bu- so, you know, I'm not going to turn uh, turn away from, like, American voices in a world doll movie. I, I think I think Chris Rock did good. Oh, yeah, because I'm like, if, if we went by that, we really wouldn't have Anne Hathaway, and I'm, I'm not really sure I want to sacrifice that for anything at the moment. Me Except neither. she was doing like a German accent. I don't even know what accent she was even going for. Oh, that that's that's a good point. It was just it was just an accent. It's it's like it's about as descriptive as like the Baroness from G.I. Joe. It's like, what accent is this? I don't know. Let, yeah. let, let let's just call it um exotic. exotic. Yeah, it's just nondescript. Exactly. So as 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 far as um your favorite road doll adaptations i i i can't say this is one of mine i think i think ones i'd put above it are like fantastic mr fox is probably is probably the best my personal yeah. favorite is willy wonka and the chocolate factory but that's just because one that's just it's one that i i grew up with um watching constantly it's it's a duel between those two it's like okay do we want to be the candy man or you want that bizarre little country song that was made up on the spot in the campfire scene? Obviously, number three has to be um, James and the Giant Peach. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. some good stuff. There's actually there's a quite a few Roald Dahl adaptations. Uh, they run the gamut of quality. By very different directors, like Dan DeVito for Matilda. Yes, that, that one a lot of people like. I'm That one's all right. And Nicholas Rogue again for the witches, uh, which I'm I'm not sure how to compare the two because Angelica Houston was a lot more dignified than this, yeah. but can't can't lie, just and, uh, not giving a damn was kind of maybe more fun. Yeah, and a uh, Tim Burton and a uh, for Charlie and Chocolate Factory, of course. Oh yeah, that, that movie. Oh, and if we're gonna talk about real dull, um, let, lest we forget, he wrote the screenplay for uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah, he did. And also, oh. uh, You Only Live Twice. Yes, that was the most fun thing I found out once when I was doing research on James Bond. Like, that's not the same role. To- oh my God, it is the same role to all. And then you think about it and we're like, eh, you know what? It's a ridiculous movie about a guy who goes to a country he's never been before and there's rocket planes and jets and giant volcano. Yeah, you know what? This makes sense. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Um, fi- final thoughts on the witch before we move on to, I guess, auxiliary uh, recommendations before we head out of here. Uh, I I'm not sure how to compare this to the original because like they're going for completely different effects. Uh, I mean, I guess I might. I, I see. I don't know. 
they're hard to compare actually one's a dignified movie that's not quite close to the book yeah but it's good this one both in some ways closer some ways further but also maybe more memorable because nothing nothing is quite like Anne Hathaway just going all ham yeah a lot a lot of my recommendation for this film is hinges entirely on Anne Hathaway's performance Oh yeah, if you don't like camp, stay away so far because you're not gonna like this from like the moment she steps in. But although if you do think that she's too goody two shoes in her roles, you know, she doesn't really venture forth, she doesn't really become edgy in any of them, definitely check her out in this one because she more than makes up for that. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, like I, the next time I see some comment go, oh Anne Hathaway plays the same character in every movie. It's like, um, roll the clip. Uh, watch out. <laughs> yes, that is clearly Fatine. <laughs> yeah, no, that's clearly uh uh the the girl from the Prince's Diaries. Yes, of course, without question. <laughs> she certainly has come a long way since then. Oh yeah. yes, or or even her version of Selena Kyle. It's like no, no, she can play the same role every time. Come on. That that that's something I've always come to res- to respect about Hathaway. Like, um, you know, I love her. Co- contrary to somehow, um, pop like the popular belief that that she's like I don't know a tryhard. Yeah, I I, 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 I literally have, I literally have no idea why people don't like her. But I'm gonna need to bring that up because apparently there's there's a literal psychological term called the Anne Hathaway effect, which is you hate somebody for a nondescript reason which you cannot explain. Right, exactly. I I, I make jokes all the time, like like not not even not even top scientists, like all the top scientists in the world cannot figure out why people don't like Anne Hathaway. Like I I see nothing they hate. She's charming. She's nice. She's beautiful. She's clever. She, what, what what more do you want? She has the voice of an angel. Exactly. She has the, you know, the best version of "I Dream the Dream," but certainly the most emotionally resonant version. Like I, 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 she can do it all and more. What more do you want from her, really? Yeah, and and if you want to see a very good example of of more, yeah, the the witches had you has you covered. Uh, what was it? Was there a movie where she was like a, like a had like a mental disorder that she was also really good into? It's like it, I, I'm just thinking of all these roles she's played where I'm like none of these characters are similar. Um, was hmm. with Jake Gyllenhaal. I forget the name of the movie. Oh, um, probably. Hold on, I um. It's not Havoc, but it's it's like around that time period in her career. Um, Love and Other Drugs. I think that that was it. That was actually a really well-done performance about a realistic relationship that has problems, and she's not always likable in it. That's a really not normal performance fire. So everyone who keeps saying she plays the same role, shut up. Yeah, look, yeah, look at looking through her uh, filmography. I I don't really see any anything that indicates other other than like obvious sequels. Um, I don't see any case of like her playing the same character. Mm, right yeah so uh my final thoughts on the witches are uh that it's a good um throwback fantasy movie i think uh it was a very heartwarming and very a bizarre very dark movie but what else would i expect from world doll 
Um, mm-hmm. It's one of the most faithful in terms of catching the spirits of Doll, I think. Um, it does it better than a lot, even better movies that I personally enjoyed more than this, like Fantastic Mr. Fox. You know, that was a very Wes Anderson movie, um, too. It wasn't quite a role doll adaptation as it was a Wes Anderson movie, but this one was a role doll adaptation through and through, and you owe it to yourself to check this out on HBO Max. Yeah, I I think I think I was a little bit colder on this film only only because I was expecting I was expecting more from the collaboration of Robert Zemeckis and Guillermo del Toro, but um, as far, as far as like sticking close sticking close to the book other, again, other than that one deviation, um, this is a pretty solid adaptation. I, I I could see I could see this one gaining gaining a similar cult following as as the '90s adaptation, and again, um, I cannot stress this enough. Anne Hathaway steals this movie like every second yeah. she's on screen. Yeah, she so, steals the movie. She beats up everybody, takes their lunch money, and then spends it all and eats it again. Yeah. yeah. Now, before we go, are there are there any other uh, any other streaming titles that you want to quickly give a shout out to? Uh, uh, other stream in terms. Well, we talked about the host uh, in the last streaming wars, and definitely give that one a watch. It's unfriended done right, basically. It's yeah, on Shutter. I, I, I saw that one uh, a couple weeks ago, and wow, wow that that one that movie rocks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, should we mention the? I I saw the uh, recent uh, Borat sequel this morning. Excellent oh, really? movie. If you like nice. original. I I've I've been meaning to check that one out. Yeah. Uh, it, it, in some ways it's a retrend. In some ways it's not at all, and it still has all the same uh, positives and negatives that you find in the original. So I I consider that a win because I wanted is, more. Is the Rudy Giuliani scene is that scary enough for you though? <laughs> Yes, very. Yes, yeah. I, I man, I I can't believe they they got away with something like that. That's that's like, wow. That, that's the thing I will forever love about Sasha Baron Cohen is he always manages to trick people into doing things they really shouldn't be doing. If anybody uh, saw that TV show he briefly had called uh, "Who Is America," that was every episode. He got people to say something like, "You really shouldn't have said that one, pal." Yeah. Or, or even just stick around. Like the one that killed me was uh, he interviewed uh, the, that politician Roy Moore, and then he just started bringing up, "I have this device that can detect pedophiles." Anybody <laughs> in their right mind should have then said, "Okay, I'm cutting the interview." <laughs> the, the interview goes on for like a solid five oh, more minutes. Wow. Where was he when Trump announced that he was running for president? Uh, I don't know. He should have been doing something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I believe he, in, that, in that same TV series. I think he actually got. Uh, I'm trying to remember how this went. Uh, he got uh, Dick Cheney to sign a freaking like waterboarding kit. Like, <laughs> and he, he's playing these characters where he doesn't actually say Salisbury. Like, I am first lieutenant of the Israeli commando unit something name. And people how just the hell kind of is he keep doing this? The weirdest thing. He kept doing this over and over again. 
I don't know. After a while, you would think everyone would just catch on and go, okay, who's this weirdo? It's Sasha Baron Cohen, isn't it? But no, no, he, fi- he tricked Sarah Palin. He tricked O.J. Simpson. He tricked uh, uh, Trent Lott, the former Senate Majority Leader. He just, I don't know how he does it. But I he love it. tricks everybody. Yeah, and that's why. Are you sure he didn't my trick favorite. me at one point? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he I tricked did, all of us, but we just didn't I know it. Hey, it's it was possible. I. I'm Donald all along. Takes the mask off. Uh, the, the, the funny thing about this movie was that like it was like, a few months back it was like oh yeah we just reported some weirdo that CPAC hoggling people and then it came out a week ago oh yeah that was actually Sasha Baron Cohen and Borat <laughs> wow I I cannot wait to see to see this now yeah and this movie is brought back a favorite gift of mine which is just suddenly announcing a project you had done months ago and then just saying oh it comes out next week I wish more people would do that that's really hard to do in the modern age same all right i think that i think that takes us to the end of this episode thank you guys for joining us okay did you say did you give a recommendation mike oh um i i I haven't actually seen it yet but a pre a preview for our next tuned up cameron and i will be talking about the netflix um animated film over the moon and we'll also be talking about um the like the ducktales special let's uh, let's get dangerous and the uh, amphibia special um, shut in so if you're a fan of any of those shows uh, definitely tune in for the next uh, tuned up hmm. all right all right now before all we right. go uh, where can everyone find you guys online tyler i'll start with you oh well uh start off i um Right for a YouTube channel called Debunk File. It's uh, a mystery-based YouTube channel that actually just had a video come out in the last hour. It's about the Zodiac Killer and was actually edited by our dear co-host Jacob. Hello, shameless plug-in. Yes, very shameless, but I have no regrets. And uh, I'm also in an association with several history-based YouTube channels, including films and cynical history specifically cynical history i actually kind of work them sometimes and i can be found in the facebook group for this wonderful podcast every so often and jacob where can everyone find you you can find me on facebook uh it's jacob crable k-r-e-h-b-i-e-l i'm also on twitter with that same name and you can find me also in the renegade pop culture fan group on facebook Awesome. And you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Captain K42. Check out all my quick thought reviews on letterbox.com slash coach K42. Find me in all the various Facebook groups just at my name. Don't forget to check out Renegade Pop Culture on Twitter at Ren Pop Culture. Check out our Facebook group and look for all our podcasts on uh, Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, where, wherever you uh wherever you listen to your podcasts, you can check out my show uh, Fresh Takes on on youtube.com slash Organoid Zero. And last but not least, check out renegadepopculture.com. You escape, so do we. That's it for this episode of The Streaming Wars. We will catch you guys later. Peace out. Bye.